What's up? Welcome to another episode of Recliner Wrestling Review. 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 I'm your host, Jared Isaacs, along with my co-host, uh, Mr. John Reese. Let me get John here in the studio. There hey! we go. There's John. <laughs> How's it going, Good. my friend? How are you today? Great. Good to be back again. We are here um, to discuss SummerSlam 1992. Um, I am very excited for this. This is our, our first deep dive. Um, <laughs> you know, we did our first episode trying to kind of get to know each other and, and tell you guys a little bit about ourselves. And uh, so, yeah, so today we're jumping in um, headfirst into a special pay-per-view for one of us. We'll talk about that, too. Um, but before we carry on, I want to make sure that you guys... Um, go to the YouTube page here and hit the subscribe button, the notification bells. Be sure to like, comment, share, and uh, yeah, all the fun YouTube stuff. So yeah, that's what we're here for. SummerSlam, uh, Wembley Stadium, and took place in London, England. So um, yeah, John, what are your thoughts on this on this pay-per-view? Well, I really enjoy it. For me, this pay-per-view holds a special place in my heart. It is... Uh, one of those old Coliseum videos I used to rent at the old Blockbuster. And yeah, we, we talked about that. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah actually, looking... I've got to actually, oops, um, I've actually got the, um, there you go. So that's oh. the, um, um, somewhere, there we go. So that's the uh, VHS um, slip cover, if you will, from the, um, what would be Coliseum home video. So yeah. Gorgeous. What do you remember uh, watching this back, like back in the day? What are your memories without uh, um, rewatching it now? So, okay, I'm glad that you said that because without rewatching it, um, my thoughts are that um, it had a lot of big names. I'll say that, um, and and we'll of course get into the nitty gritty um, about the booking and and uh, just different things about the show. Uh, but overall, like if you just look at the um, the the cover, if you will. Lots of big names, lots of uh, immediate childhood memories pop up, and uh, so yeah. So for me, I was I was glad to see so many big names. Um, we'll talk about if they um, if they kind of lived up to the hype. Yeah, for me, I remember looking back as a kid, Brett and Bulldog. That was the big memory, and yeah. Legion of Doom. Those were the yeah. things that stood out. I was like, okay, before we watch this back, those are the things that. I remember and was excited to watch it for. Yeah, for sure. Um, I and same for me, but probably honestly more so. Um, at this time, I was a huge fan of The Undertaker. So all the um, the uh, promos leading up to it, you know, where um, Taker and Paul are building the the supersized casket for Kamala, um, all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, good stuff. I really I enjoyed their feud for what it was. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and the caskets to come later, but yeah, the true, uh, true. Yeah, <laughs> but the uh, as I was saying that, I'm like, wait a minute, there's no casket, but that's no, all right, no. you know. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> it all runs together. So, so I started watching wrestling about a year later. So going back and watching this on VHS, it's just awesome. So gotcha. that's what really hooked me, and I got to see, uh, like in '93, Brett's on top. But like back in '92, he's defending the intercon against Davy Boy, and that's yeah. the draw for me. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, uh, so, um, I wanted to talk about. Um, of course, originally this was going to take place. Do you know where? Washington D.C. 
That's correct. Yes. Um, in the Capitol Center in Landover, uh, Maryland, which is, um, yeah, basically Washington, D.C. Um, it was moved to London um, only like three or four months out because um, kind of business was slow in the United States and um, business was actually really expanding over uh, overseas. And so business wise, it just kind of made sense. Um, and they yeah. did a good job um, back in Wembley Stadium. That was impressive. So when I started it, uh, watching for the rewatch, going back a bit, I had to, uh, I couldn't log into WWE Network, believe it or not. It's not supported on the PlayStation 3. So I oh, had to yeah. go, I had to go dig PlayStation out. PlayStation 3? Golly. I had to go dig out my DVD cooler. Oh, wow. SummerSlam. Yeah. So nice. got to watch. Uh, uh, on DVD, and the first thing that stood out to me was eighty thousand people in ninety-two. Yes. Like yes. that's huge business. Yeah. My goodness, and it, you see it when you watch it right oh, away. They Vince is on the commentary, just eighty thousand, eighty thousand, eighty thousand. Oh, yeah. Like yep, re- sure. right He's away in your face. Definitely proud. Yeah. yeah. And this, and and as you say that too, uh, for everybody else uh, watching, like keep in mind, this is before it was common knowledge that Vince was the owner. Now, looking back, you're like, oh, no wonder he was the one saying 80,000 because he was so proud. But um, we always assumed he was just an announcer up in, up at this point anyway. Um, and he was probably just either getting the information told to say or he was just saying it or whatever. But in retrospect, yeah, he was. I mean, definitely that was ego. <laughs> you know, yeah. hey, look at what we did. And and about, about that 80,000, um, one thing that I noticed as far as the people – um, it looked, even though there was 80,000 people there, like up in the stands and stuff, it looked totally packed. Um, yeah. but down on the floor, it looked like there was so much room. Um, you talk about social distancing, there was, but it was almost interesting because it was almost like people were, um, aligned and almost like the union Jack on the floor. Like there was like triangular Ooh. angles and stuff. And I was like, I don't know if that was done on purpose, but I definitely saw that. So, yeah, I, I just kept thinking, uh, they, they did look spread out. But mm-hmm. there were still so many. You could tell it was huge. Yeah. Uh, yep. If you look at the floor, it doesn't. You don't calculate eighty thousand from that. But then when you when they do the upshots and like see all the, it's like a huge coliseum kind of thing. It's massive. It's insane. Um, yeah. So they did uh, two hundred fifty thousand dollars in pay per view buys and uh, over two million dollars in ticket sales that day. So and like it, you said, Vince McMahon and Bobby Heenan on commentary for the show. Yeah. So. And they did two ninety nine for me at the Blockbuster. So <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yes, but yeah, and, and Bobby and Vince together—that was a great match for me as a child. I thought Vince was just a stooge. Like you were talking about him being behind the scenes. Like yes. I thought he was just like a nobody. And oh, he's the owner. He's the man. Right. Yep. Yep. For sure. Um, definitely interesting, to say the least. Um, whenever you find out that. Uh, He's got more and more in it than just uh, just being an announcer. Yeah, for sure. So, all right. Um, is there anything else before we jump right in and and talk about our first match? Um, the, I'll, I will say this: you probably have had the luxury since you own them on DVD. I'm assuming um, to have the dark matches, um, and we'll we'll talk about that. But the dark matches, uh, there was three of them cut from the WWE Network. Um, and also, I believe, cut from the Coliseum home videos, and some of them are replayed um, on later episodes of Superstars and stuff like that. So, I don't know that the DVD had it because I didn't watch them. Oh, well, there you go. The dark matches, anyway. <laughs> yeah, yep. 
All right. Well, um, let's see here. I've got the first one queued up. Um, so up first we have the – it was the dark match uh, with Jim Duggan and the Bushwhackers uh, versus the Nasty Boys and the Mountie. Oh, what a pair. What a trio. Uh, so, yeah, so as I, as I started uh, re-watching this and taking my notes, and that was the first match, I'm like, oh, huh, no wonder John's such a mark for the Mountie. <laughs> this was your, probably your first introduction. <laughs> He's great. <laughs> he always gets uh, his he's man. something man I, I don't understand how the Mountie fits with the Nasty Boys but I mean yeah it's a total cluster in my it's opinion. 1992 stuff happened right yeah well I like how you say that about the Mountie and the Nasty Boys but what is Jim Duggan and the Bushwhackers doing together <laughs> minus the fact that they're at the time super over baby faces but yeah. I mean they have nothing in common yeah but yeah, so uh, that match goes uh, 12 minutes and 33 seconds, um, which for an opening match, it's not bad. But for the kind of cluster that it was, the thrown togetherness, uh, I feel like that was probably too long considering some of the other matches got <laughs> uh, six minutes or less. And we'll, yeah. we'll get into that. But yeah. So um, yeah, in my opinion, in this match, nothing really memorable. This is a very um, thrown together you know, um uh, Vince is a big uh, fan of opening uh, with something that's kind of high energy and that kind of stuff. Um, I won't say that this is necessarily high energy, but it is um, kind of also his other MO is to have a let me up match, as he calls it, um, or a popcorn match, if you will. Yeah. Um, and it, it feels like this event was kind of opened with that. So, Yeah, but I mean, pre-show, I mean, you got to have your baby yeah. faces out there to get that first big reaction. For sure, for sure. And, and I'm glad you said pre-show because Nowadays, if you if you watch a WWE event, um, you definitely you know they have the pre -show, the official pre show and stuff like that. So this is a pre show before that was actually even a, a marketed thing. So yeah, yeah. good point. Um, and of course, uh, in that match, um, Jim Duggan and the Bushwhackers are who ends up winning. So uh, yeah, nothing really memorable to me on that one, but it was good. It was decent. Um, and if you have any notes along this, feel free to, to stop me and slow me down. But, oh, um, go for it. I missed the pre-show. I, I just I started okay. with All right. the opening well, match and, on the main show. Yeah, no, and that's fair, too. Um, there are dark matches for a reason, so I won't spend a lot of time on them. <laughs> uh, the next one was, um, let's see here. We had um, El Matador. That, yeah, Tito. Or, yeah, Tito, yep, Tito Santana um, versus Papa Shango. Uh, this match goes six minutes. Um, and, um, Papa Shango is the one that wins that. So, yeah. Um, and then of course, uh, this is now where we start the actual show. Um, and, um, let's see here. We have the Legion yeah. of Doom <laughs> with Paul Ellering against Money Inc., which is Ted DiBiase and, um, IRS, Erwin R. Scheister. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, uh, Jimmy Hart was with IRS and uh, yeah. Money Inc. Uh, yes. That was that was crazy to me. Like the whole coat, the jacket looked awesome. Um, and and you forgot who else was with uh, LOD and Paul? No, uh, uh, Vincent, Vinny, um, the puppet. What's what's his name? Rocco. Rocco. Yeah. Yeah. Rocco. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah. So. Uh, that was an interesting little gimmick he tried for. I feel like it was about six months or so that he tried with Rocco, but I um, loved it. 
Yeah, I mean, it was great. It was, it, and as an adult watching it back, it's hysterical to see how blatant he is with it. You know, it's like if this is Rocco, he's just sitting right here, and then they zoom the camera in, and Ellering's just doing the talking, like right off. <laughs> it's like, wow, no, yeah, yeah, no man, get was reused. Get him, Hawk. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> basically. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, my thoughts on this was Money Inc. came out first. Uh, Jimmy Hart had an awesome jacket on. I thought that was really cool. And I, I don't remember him being with Money Inc. So that was. Yeah, that was random to me, too. He that did, was he, a surprise. Jimmy Hart's MO, he always looks the part. If he's thrown into something, he, he gives 120%. Like, yeah. he goes above and beyond to, to fit in and make it get over. Yeah. And so they were out first. And uh, DiBiase wearing all white. I blanked on that also i i don't know i did big time too and i don't know um storyline building up to it looking at it on paper i'm assuming that um money inc is obviously supposed to be the heels um yeah. so why why wear white that's supposed to be a baby face thing um it, and i mean that's kind of a broken idea or uh thought process now but back then that was i mean yeah. heels wore black and, and baby faces wore white white meat baby face yeah, L LOD um, made the black look cool, so maybe that yeah. had to do with it. Uh, but LOD came out on the motorcycles, Ellering leading the way with Ro Rocco on the bike. Uh, with the bungee cord, by the way. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> bungee strap, yeah. No, that and, entrance was amazing. Like, I, I popped so hard for that as a kid. Um, yeah. I mean, I was a it's huge LOD fan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, being a huge LOD fan, you know, the what a rush. Like, all of a sudden, like, it's the LOD pop, it's, you know, that it's infamous for. But, um, yeah, when they came out on the, on the Harleys and stuff, I was like, man, this is, like, next level cool. Yeah. So. Um, what did you think about the match? Um, as far as the match, um, I thought that um, – I'll say that it was a good, it's exactly what an opener should be. Um, lots of back, good back and forth. Um, in my opinion, Ted DiBiase is like so underrated. Um, he was used so heavily in, and stuff in the uh, NWA, and then he gets to WWE, and he had some moderate success and whatnot. But um, man, you talk about somebody that was very capable holding the belt. I, I think he was very successful. I mean, say moderate success, like, I mean, that million dollar title is iconic. Him coming out for in the sure, black but it was suit, given to him because suit. it was given to him because um, there was. I'm going to mix the names up now because I'm going off the top of my head. I'm going going off script. Um, yeah. But uh, he was. It was supposed to be um, like uh, he was supposed to be involved somehow with uh, the the honky tonk man, I believe, and getting the IC belt. Honky didn't want to drop, and so the the um, kind of smooth over was to give him a million dollar belt to give him his own belt okay um, so yeah um so and and again just the same as what we we're saying with um jimmy hart i feel like ted made the best of it and and totally oh. made the belt um versus you know it um I, i'm trying to think of another belt to to kind of compare that to but it, it uh, could have been taz. a total flop taz with the ftw title there you go yeah yeah, yeah. um it, it's completely on the on the uh people to to make it um, make or break. Yeah, and I, th I think DiBiase was always great. Um, my thoughts on the match, I I liked it, uh, but I think I liked more just like, oh, it's LOD versus Money Inc. This is cool. Uh, like it starts out like LOD is getting their shine on, and uh, then they start 
going behind the referee's back, and uh, I forgot if they were beating up Ted or I think it was IRS. And I was like, oh, they're, so they're doing the heel thing, but I mean, it worked because it was LOD. So I was just right. like, okay, whatever. Yeah. Um, uh, Jimmy got involved a little at the end. I don't think uh, Ellering did too much in the match at all. And they teased the Doomsday, but they uh, didn't hit the Doomsday. And that, that kind of upset me. I'm like, for a first match opener, like, hit the Doomsday. Right, you like, want to see the, the big finish. Yes, but absolutely. Yeah, yeah. LOD went up, so that was cool. Um, and for you, like, you didn't mention the uh, gold shoulder pads. Yeah, for no, LOD. that was a massive, like, yeah, that was a massive bonus yeah. for me. Um, so, so, I mean, LOD for me, it's just like, I'm excited to see him, excited to see him win. Um, but I, I would have liked to have seen a doomsday. Yeah, for sure. It, it really me. does surprise me. Um, all things considered that, that they didn't include that. Yeah. To finish with the power slam, it was, it's fine. Yeah. It's, it's cool. Fine. It's, it's kind of a signature move for him, but it's not necessarily yeah. like the big, the big finish. If you Yeah. Will. And like to tease it the way they did and then not get it. It was like, okay. Yeah. Um, I guess IRS didn't want to take the bump. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. That's that's interesting for sure. Um, yeah. So um, that one goes uh, 15 minutes and 10 seconds, which, um, again, as as what I was saying with the Jim Duggan and Bushwhackers uh, six man match, that's a good that's a good kind of you know 12 yeah. 15 minutes is a great opener. Um, yeah. So absolutely yeah. agree. It was great. I mean, it was, it was good, it was, but I, I was more popping just like, oh, it's 90s LOD. This is awesome. Right. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so we've got um, LOD goes over. There we go. Um, yeah. So the next match, we've got <laughs> Nails versus Virgil. Oh, boy. All right. Well, <laughs> let's hear it. <laughs> I'll, I'll I, say this i i've never understood this obsession with virgil i don't get it i don't care about him he's not over enough to me whatsoever to, what? oh yeah no like i i totally don't get this whatsoever i um, thought he was great in this match uh, I, I thought the issue okay. was i thought the issue was nails oh 100 100 percent. but um, now, and that, I don't want to take away, like, yes, um, Virgil is very athletic. Like, some of his drop kicks and stuff were very impressive. Um, but uh, overall, I'm just, I don't, I don't know, man. Like, you're going to have, I mean, literally, if you look at it on paper, you've got Virgil following the Legion of Doom. That's, that's bad. And I would argue if you watch the crowd, they're cheering just as hard for Virgil as they were LOD. And I, that surprised me. Yeah. I mean, you're right on that for sure. Um, yeah, but he, he was over at the time. So, mm -hmm. uh, but yeah. yeah, nails was, uh, when was nails ever over? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. N nails was just chokehold, chokehold sleeper. And uh, it was rough. A hundred percent. It really was. Yeah. Um, so do you know a lot of the, um, behind the scenes hubbub about this? Um, match um, as far as Nails is concerned? Is this where he tried to hold him up? Uh, well, that... kind of, yeah. So, okay. well, there's that side of it. Um, the Nails side of the story is that the payoff uh, finally came. Um, of course, it, it for those of you that are watching that don't know how payoffs work, and it's not like I know it because I've never 
you know, never worked in WWE for a day. Um, but according to everybody, uh, the payout, of course, um, obviously you get all, we talked about over $2 million in the gate. So it's not $200 million and you just split it amongst all these wrestlers. Um, you know, you have to pay for the venue and all, all this overhead and stuff. And, and the pie gets uh, narrowed down and narrowed down. Well, to divvy out that much money takes, you know, a couple of months. And so it was totally common back then to, to have a, a match at SummerSlam and not get paid until several months later. So um, the boys, if you will, don't get paid until December for this um, event. Well, Nail sees his payout for this and, and decides it's far too low. Um, and so, yeah, this is where, um, because of this match, is where he goes um, and tries to basically choke out Vince McMahon to get a, a better payoff. And, uh, yeah, he was done with the company after that. Well, the match sucked. He should have been done after SummerSlam. Uh, yeah, he shouldn't have even been on SummerSlam. I don't. I mean, and I try to keep in mind too. This is definitely the era of um, occupational gimmicks. <laughs> but come on. And then then he goes over to the WCW, and he becomes the prisoner. <laughs> WWE shortly sends him a cease and desist. <laughs> like, no, you can't do a con gimmick. Like, just what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I remember hating Nails as a kid because he was the bad guy. He was the heel. Right. And as an adult, I hate him because he sucked. He was just terrible. hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so that's the, uh, that's the story of Nails. Um, overall, what was your takeaway from the match? I was and... shocked how over Virgil was. And yeah. That that was like my big takeaway was the crowd was just going nuts for him. And that was that was my takeaway. Like honest and truly, I was like yep. Virgil was one over dude. And yeah, and I just don't I mean and of course, um I think a lot of that has to do with booking correctly. Um, you know, how he was with Ted and then like yeah. the abused uh servant or whatever. Um and then he splits away and yeah, immediately is over. Now, of course, anything like that probably wouldn't have much legs with it um, unless you kind of grew the character, gave the character more layers, uh, which yeah. ended up not happening. So, um, and maybe that's a part of, too, why I'm just kind of at a loss when it comes to Virgil. <laughs> but you're right, man. The the crowd loved it. So yeah. Wait, it up. Any takeaways for you? Um, my takeaway, like I said, um, I've never been a huge Virgil fan, and it's not that I don't like him. I just don't get it. Um, yeah. but I do want to, um, underline the, uh, his athleticism. Like I said, his drop kicks looked really good. I've actually, I've even got it playing over here on the side, um, off camera and his punches. Um, I don't know who worked with him on, on his ring work. I'm assuming probably Ted, um, who was also really good at throwing punches, but his, um, Virgil's working punches to me stood out, uh, yeah. very snug, very, very good looking. Um, the match goes three minutes and 55 seconds, which is exactly perfect. Like. Under five minutes for this match is spot on. <laughs> um, because any more than that, you're going to expose the fact that Virgil is not actually a trained... Um, you know, the boys and whatnot. But as far as I know, I don't believe he ever went to, like, wrestling school or anything like that. So, so yeah. Um, let's see here. Virg or I'm sorry, Nails is Nails. the one that goes over. Yeah. Which is probably why he was upset about a payoff. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so, and, and we'll end up addressing this, um, but I'll, I'll throw it in before this match. Uh, we have our first interview backstage with, uh, Ric Flair and they're teasing the, uh, which side is he going to be on? 
um, this kind of thing. And um, yeah, I'll leave it at that because <laughs> there's a lot of meat on the bone yeah. uh, when it comes to that. So, and I, and I think that was actually switched. I think it was between the LOD and Virgil. Yeah, that's what I said before this okay, match. Okay, yeah. gotcha. Um, I missed it because um, after this match is um, where we go backstage. And ironically, it's the same exact storyline for Sherry Martell. Which side is she going to be on? Mm -hmm. um, and to me, I was like, oh, man. First of all, not only is it not great to have two storylines that are that um, paralleled, but literally to have them like, uh, I mean, on book bookended basically on either side of a match with their promos about which side are they going to be on? Yeah. And it's like, oh, what are we doing? Uh, well, I did like the stipulation in the match. For which one? For uh, Sean and Rick. You remember it? Sean and Rick. Sean and Rick didn't wrestle. Oh, Rick Martell. Rick Martell. <laughs> like Rick Flair. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like, did we watch the same show? Right, right. Come on, brother. <laughs> SummerSlam 92, brother. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, the match for with Sherry, Sean, and Rick Martell. You remember it? Oh, yeah. So, um, Sherry thought they were both gorgeous and, um, you know, they're both pretty boys. So whatever you do, um, uh, make sure you don't hit each other in the face. And yeah. so that was, I don't know whose idea that was in real life, who booked that, but that was brilliant. I loved it yeah. so much. It was um, awesome. It really was. Yeah. Um, so here we go. Uh, we've got, uh, Shawn Michaels versus Rick Martell, the model. Um, yeah. So, this one goes eight minutes and six seconds. Um, yeah. Um, I, looking back, whenever I watched this, I was like, again, on paper, Shawn Michaels in 92 versus Rick Martell. I'm like, really? Rick oh, Martell? I have but, the opposite uh, opinion on that. Oh, really? <laughs> I was okay, really well, excited for this. <laughs> <laughs> was it because of the gimmicks and the stuff surrounding it? Oh, oh the, uh, hundred percent yeah. the model versus the heartbreak kid yeah that, that's the story i mean throw sherry no, in sure. there and then the stipulation i loved the build-up to the match uh the match itself was good uh i didn't like the finish but i thought it was Same. good uh, up until that up until the finish um yeah but yeah the uh don't hit the face i, I thought that was great yeah that's absolutely brilliant um and for me i guess it's just um, you know, like you said, the heartbreak kid versus the model on paper, license to print money. It's yeah. amazing. But the it's just Rick Martell. I'm like, I mean, that's that's your best worker, you know, but it's that's who had the gimmick. So of course, um you know, he had the gimmick funny. and he had the look. That was he the really thing. did. He really that did. Was, yeah. Yeah. Um yeah. So overall I thought it was a, a good match. Um the um you could see a lot of early, like what Shawn Michaels became famous for, um, the psychology and, and the time, the pacing of the match, I guess. Um, yeah. That kind of stuff was really good. Um, I don't know if I said it or not, but uh, the match goes eight minutes and six seconds. Um, yeah, so, I, well, I'll wait until we get to the finish. Do you have thoughts of the actual match itself? Uh, I thought it was good. I mean, nothing stands out, just the... Uh... It, it, they did did well with eight minutes. Yes, for sure. Um, I can't remember if it's this match. There's an there's I should have. 
the, Sherry was Sherry was the star too. I mean, oh, absolutely. Uh, um, just like coming what we out said of about that, Jimmy Hart. Yeah. Like you could throw Sherry in anything, and she'll give more than what's asked to make it get over. And um, like her pretending to faint and all that. That was great. Um, it was great. But like she, she, match, she was honestly. amazing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she, she like I don't know she. To me, the acting part of, of her fainting, like when she's on the apron, like I was like, okay, that's kind of <laughs> awful. And then like when she just like pretends she's dead and goes over onto the on the floor, I'm like, golly, that was a bump, yeah. man. <laughs> Dick one for the team. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, good stuff. I don't remember if it was this match or another match, like I was saying. Um, probably should have taken better notes. I'll take note of that. Um, but uh, I feel like it might have been this one that there were so many false finishes. Um, I can't remember if it was this match though. I thought I had it written yeah. down, but I don't. false finishes for a kind of weak double countout to end right. it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, the double countout was not good. Um, yeah. which <laughs> is a running theme of the show with the DQs, and yep. I mean the main event. I think more than made up for it, but I, yeah. It's, What's funny is um, that was a huge criticism of just, uh, you know, five or six years later with WCW was um, ordering these pay-per-views and stuff and then getting half more than half the matches with no solid finish. Yeah. Um, and that, you know, in retrospect, that's everybody's like, oh, that's a, a big reason why WCW didn't last. Well, also in retrospect, that's probably a big reason why business is down for WWF in this era. Um, because yeah. but um, up at, for times, at times they're really good. What's that? down in america but booming in wembley in london 100 oh, yeah. percent um i think it's i think there's a fine line and it's probably in, incredibly hard to to navigate um the decent amount of time to stretch out a storyline and play it out over time the slow build or the slow burn if you will um but there's a fine line between that and like just squeezing the orange way too much and there's nothing left in it kind of thing and um, i feel like even back then when you're going to one of the big four you have to have, I mean, this is before the in-your-house era, but when you have those big pay-per-view shows, you need to have some solid finishes. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yep, I agree. And, yeah, 100%. Um, if if you do some, you know, wacky, non-finish finishes um, throughout, you know, an in-your-house or something like that, I get that. And I know Yeah, I mean, it just it builds it to the next level for those big shows. Yes, I agree. And yeah, again, I've not stepped foot for a minute in WWF or WWE. Um, but yeah, that only makes sense to me. So, um, what did you think of the uh, post countout part of the match with the the bucket? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I. So they throw the water on Sherry, and all I keep thinking is she's the star. Why, why are you guys both leaving her? Right. Yeah. But... Again, yeah. I just I don't understand. You know, the buildup was very great. Um, what side is she going to be on? And then like you both are just going to dump her. <laughs> I don't understand. I, I wanted to um, see some finish where uh, Sherry really turns on one of them and aligns herself with one, and the other guy just blasts him in the face with brass knucks or something that Sherry threw in, and like tie up that whole stipulation and go heal with it. As far as the actual um, throwing of water, <laughs> I laughed so hard because, yeah, he got uh, Rick Martel got Sherry as Sean's carrying him, uh, yeah. her. But uh, yeah, Sean eats a lot of water too and yeah. has to like 
I, I like I can almost see like him like trying to sell it, and then he's like immediately like, oh no, I better not sell this. This is Sherry's spot. <laughs> but yeah, it was hysterical. So if you watch that back, it's it's funny to to see that. But um, yeah, and then she totally takes the second biggest bump of, of the match, uh, falling out of Sean's arms, and yeah, yeah it was just <laughs> Sherry's putting in all the work. Yeah, but I mean, it, it was uh, a fun story, uh, a solid match. I just the shenanigans and the double count out. I didn't like the double count out. It's, oh, hundred percent same. I strongly agree with that. Um, after she faints and she falls to the floor, did you notice? <laughs> did you notice Rick Martel giving her chest compression? <laughs> fantastic. <laughs> I'm so serious. I'm like, this is amazing. Talk about going the extra length, brother. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, literal chest compression. Uh, it was yeah, that was noteworthy for me. That's on my notes. Nice. <laughs> wow. <laughs> all right, so yes, indeed. Um, Sean and Rick go to a double countout. Oof. Okay. Um, so then now we go backstage again, and we've got the Nasty Boys um, cutting their promo um, very over the top as Nasty Boys <laughs> mo. Um, yeah, uh, and Jimmy Hart. Jimmy, uh, of course, Jimmy's with, back. Uh, Jimmy's back with Nasty Boys where he belongs. Um, as you said too, with the the coat, of course, Jim, that's Jimmy's mo is to change yeah. the look. If he's out there six times in a night, he'll he'll have six, six different outfits. So, Every good manager will. That's exactly right. Yep, hundred percent. Um. So then we go to our next match, um, which is. Uh, let's see here. We've got the Natural Disasters, which is Earthquake and Typhoon, versus the Beverly Brothers with the genius Lanny Poffo. So, few seconds. Uh, so what are your what are your thoughts on on this match overall? I did not remember the Beverly Brothers at all. Hundred percent the same. I'm like, I, yeah, I loved the genius wearing black. I don't know why. I, I'm just. I always remember him in red. So seeing oh, really? him, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I always picture him in red in the red gear. Uh, but seeing him in black, I was like, oh, that's cool. And my love for the natural disasters is real. Uh, singles earthquake, I don't care about. Singles tugboat, I don't care about. Put them together, and I love them. Really? Don't know, don't yeah, know why. I, I can. I can get that. Um, but that. That's. The little kid, like watching it when I was young, a hundred percent. Yeah, no, that that childhood filter definitely um, can be skewed at times. Uh -huh. um, I but, th th this is one where I think it held up still. Yeah, no, I I would agree with that. Um, I, in fact, I would go the opposite. I would say that I probably even under I underestimated them as kids. Like I was so into the gimmick, yeah. but then watching them actual work, you know, and looking oh, yeah. through the, um, just the the lens of you know being an adult and getting the whole concept now. Um, man, Fred Ottman and um, uh, uh, um, I'm talking about yeah, John <laughs> Tenta, um, who of course uh, later went on to become Golga and the Shockmaster, respectively. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, um, speaking of um, well, I don't know, speaking of what, but I found it interesting that it was actually, um, if you listen to the commentary. I noticed that it's uh, the natural disasters are made up of typhoon and the earthquake, 
like not just oh. earthquake but the earthquake i'm like i don't remember that you know um as a kid I didn't even, just earthquake but yeah didn't was, even hear it <laughs> same yeah i was like the earthquake and that's so because i didn't recognize that or remember that from my childhood that stood out to me in my rewatch yeah. but uh yeah i mean repeatedly the earthquake and i feel like this is the match um that had all the false finishes that i was like why <laughs> um i mean the beverly brothers physically looked good i mean they looked a lot like um uh what was the the name of um john laurinitis's group the cool dudes or something um uh skip body donna's uh no um doggone it um anyway that's who who they look like to me they look like uh john laurinitis and insert tag team name here uh yeah uh let us know in the comments hot shots <laughs> It was know. like the the cool dudes or the um I yeah. mean they were the the skateboard guys. Um, I I know I yeah good draw on a blank. Yeah, well, <laughs> you just let us know. Career. Oh, <laughs> but anyway, so they physically looked um capable. Um, I won't say imposing, uh, but capable. But again, they just had no, from my recollection, no build up. Um, it was another just kind of thrown together like here we want to feature um, the natural disasters and who have we got that we could put them against so yeah um, I probably actually would have enjoyed um, the natural disasters versus the nasty boys way better mm. like to me put the Beverly Brothers probably. In, the, uh, in the dark match and, and that would have been a way better show yeah yeah um, yeah so 10 minutes 30 seconds um Lots of, um, I really enjoy like the, what I call the build of a monster. Um, and not that either of these guys are monsters, but they, they wrestle like big men. They're treated like big men, you know, like, oh, like, especially on the finish where, um, Earthquake does the whole sit on you, count to three kind of thing, which again, looking back, it was like, man, he was taking such good care of everybody he worked with. But, uh, yeah. that, that was so imposing as a kid. I was like, oh my God. Um, so yeah, good stuff. Overall, good match. Overall. Got the cheer, cheer for the babyface win. I like that. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, but overall, nothing to me really stands out about this. Um, the genius is all right. Um, he he said he had a line at ringside, and I can't remember what it was, but it, it popped me. Um, yeah, um, and uh, I don't know the poem in the beginning. I was like, yeah, eh. a show loaded with great managers. Truly, yeah, th and this is 100% the era of uh, great managers and stuff, and that's something I greatly miss, which is a big part of also why um, I've been enjoying AEW. Um, Tony Khan has been on record as being a, a big fan of managers and stuff, so oh, yeah. he's trying to kind of reincorporate that, whereas WWE in the past several years have totally gotten away from it. So. And with what they're doing in AEW, the managers mean something, and they're respected, and it's it, it works. Yeah, there's a reason they've gone with... Um, um, I don't want to say has been, but I mean, let's, I mean, they're, they're not in their prime anymore, but their name identity is still massive. Um, so automatically that gives a rub to whoever they work with. In AEW. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And Jake is still an incredible promo. Totally incredible promo, but man, um, and like this might be kind of off topic going into AW, but yeah. um, I think he's very good pre-produced, like um, in pre-tapes and stuff, like when yeah. they're off 
set or whatever or um whatever you want to call that um and so like they're in some abandoned warehouse and he's you know taking the sledgehammer and stuff and jake's got a promo fantastic put him in a ring and a live mic on dynamite it's awful <laughs> um as far as uh, not the delivery but the content um some of the stuff that he says i'm just like oh my gosh or like whenever he was like literally laying on top of brandy and and i was like whoa this is massively uncomfortable <laughs> i think that's the one week i missed <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, it's been bad. Um, did you see the one a couple? I don't know if I should even say this on our show, but did you see the we, one a couple of weeks ago where he? Huh? No, go ahead, go ahead. Oh. I was like, we gotta cut this. We're talking about SummerSlam. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, did he see the one where he came out and he was talking about he's gonna bust a nut? Uh... Yeah, on Dynamite. I was like, no, Jake, shut the fuck up. Oh, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> it was awful. So, yeah, so like I said, I like them pre-produced. Yeah, fair okay. enough. So the um, fin we talked about the finish. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, kind of. So Earthquake does, I think, a body slam and then does the run against the ropes and, and yeah. sit on him, count to three. Yeah. Um, again, I, I really enjoy that because I enjoy um, showcasing a big man as a big man kind of thing. Um, yeah. So I'm not a fan of big men doing a bunch of high flying maneuvers or getting off their feet too much, which both of these guys did amazing at, um, yeah. you know, many times where they'd hit the ropes and, you know, kind of like do the stagger, but not sell it, not fall to your feet. It was, and it was brilliant. Earlier in the show talking about like big men who can work uh -huh. earthquake and typhoon. Absolutely. Uh, nails went to the top rope. Do you remember that spot? I do. It just like, fell on his doing? face. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and and the commentary talks about he landed right on his face. I was like, oh yeah, he did. So I yeah. mean, that's a drastic difference in like uh, a guy who can't jump off the top rope, then go into earthquake and typhoon, who are just awesome. Yes. So. Yeah. Yep. Um. So then after oh well, let me get this uh, up here. So Ooh. your winners, of course, are the natural disasters. And I love those old school tag titles. Oh my gosh, absolutely same. Those are gorgeous. I love those yeah. so much. Um, I of course, you know, my my biggest fandom, as with most people, uh, was in the Attitude Era, and so like this is the uh, the New Age Outlaws um, claim to fame, if you will. And so I always remember I remember these belts fondly. Um, but yeah, I'd actually forgotten that they were used as early as '92. I do remember them in like '94, '95, but I had forgotten that they were actually as old as they are. So. Oh, yeah. Because I remember the smoking guns holding him as well. Mm -hmm. So. Uh, I think you like, can go back even further. The Hart Foundation. That's actually, that's right. Yeah. 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 Good call. Well, those, those ones had some longevity for sure. <laughs> uh, I'm laughing because, like I said, I've got it playing over here. And uh, we've got uh, the Bushwhackers backstage with Mean Gene Okerlund. <sighs> and, uh, oh, man, you talk about a combination for success. Oh, Gene yeah. Oakland in front of anybody is amazing, but yeah, I always enjoyed the uh, chemistry of uh, the Bushwhackers with me and Gene. Um, <clears throat> we talked last time, or uh, yeah, last episode about um, kind of our introduction to wrestling and stuff, and uh, we talked about uh, on my end, my dad being a big fan and stuff, and how he had liked uh, like Jim Duggan and and uh, John Studd. Another one of his absolute favorites were the Bushwhackers. Um, and so I can remember my dad going to the fridge to get another drink and he'd be doing the, this thing. Yeah. I was like, Oh my God. So, yeah. And just, I mean, it's amazing to me how likable the bushwhackers were for kids, mm -hmm. um, considering what they came from. 
Um, I don't yeah. know if you know much about the sheep herders or not, but um, they were definitely not kid friendly. <laughs> oh. uh, they they were doing as from what I remember anyway. Like um, I don't want to say hardcore matches because that was kind of predated hardcore matches, but just yeah. a lot more strong style and that kind of thing. I guess yeah. just more rough. Um, so yeah. Um, so after that match and uh, the bushwhackers, we've got <laughs> oh. Here we go. We got Crush versus the Repo Man. Woo! The era, the era of gimmicks continues. Yeah, for sure. Um, <laughs> okay, now if I recall, you're a big Repo Man fan, are I you am. not? How how old were you when you realized Repo Man was from Demolition? <laughs> um, do you want to know the truth? Probably twenty something. I was old. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Mid twenties, maybe. Yeah. I was like, "Are you kidding?" Yeah, like that I mean, was that, a same. And now, you know, like now, whenever I look at him, whenever I pull this picture up, I'm like, "Oh, of course." Yeah. But back then, yeah, I just he was Smash. Is that right? I believe that's right. Yeah. 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 But yeah, no, I love Repo Man. I like as a little kid watching him. I'm like, this guy's hilarious, and I didn't know what repoing a I car like was. Little, you know. Oh yeah. <laughs> He reminded me of the Hamburglar. A hundred percent the same. So, I'm so glad you said that. Yeah. That was literally in my notes. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> oh, he's yeah. great. And then yeah. uh, growing up, like what we talked about in the first show, I loved Hawaiian Crush. Did you? A, oh, he's the best. Like, like that's awesome. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I mean, not for my like lost on me. Yeah, not for my neighbors who we'd wrestle with, but like, yeah, it was, it was always fun. I, I liked Crush as a child. Yeah. Uh, and this match was, I mean, I had fun watching it. Yeah, no, for <laughs> sure. Um, I um, <laughs> One thing before we get into the match, um, if you, again, I'll have you look at the promo pick for it. Oh, yeah. That does not look like Crush. <laughs> Crush is in the match, got long hair like a mullet. Um, yeah. and it's like blondish, orangish, whatever. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm like, wow, why does the promo pick not match? But it totally does not match. So. Yeah, it's a little dated. <laughs> Just a little bit. Um, the, the, yeah. the mullet's pulled back. Yeah, we'll go with that. <laughs> um, and what a mullet he had, to be honest. I mean, that was quite a mullet. Um, but uh, so, again, talking about... Uh, Kind of protecting the big man. Crush had a lot of big man um, spots, if you will, in this. Um, where, he, like, at one point, he's got uh, Repo Man over the corner and doing his punches and stuff with uh, Repo laid across mm -hmm. the corner ropes. I uh, thought that was good. Um, yeah. But, yeah. Um, again. What was the time on it? Uh, five minutes and 41 seconds. Yeah, it was quick. It was quick. But to me, but, it, I mean... was, it was good. For, I mean, no more. <laughs> <laughs> not that it was a bad match it was just like again i just i don't know for me i just never was a big fan of of crush i just yeah. never really got into him so yeah um, G gave people a chance to go buy some popcorn go to the bathroom before the main event yep for sure for sure so um winner of that match crush crush yeah um and i ask you about time on that match uh huh. Our, our next match. Please tell me the time on that. Okay. Um. So our next match is 
<laughs> heavyweight title. Yes, this is for the WWE Championship. This is Randy Savage versus the Ultimate Warrior. Um, before I tell you the time, I'm going to have you take a guess. What do you think the time was? And why do you ask? 28 minutes. It felt like forever. <laughs> and it's exactly 28 minutes. Seriously? Like on the dot, yes. Yeah. I've. <laughs> yeah. It, it's, oh my God, you talk about way too freaking long. Yeah. Um, I mean, granted, I'm, I'm aware that Warrior was mostly um, squash job matches, if you will, um, which was perfect for his character. I actually majorly big time loved Ultimate Warrior as a kid. He had um, a great comeback. I, I enjoyed his comeback. Yeah. I mean, like, it, he's the big fun Hulk, to watch. Yeah. Uh -huh. The hulking up spot and stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. As an adult, it's so weird for me to watch it back, though, um, knowing, first of all, how much people crapped on him. Um, um, and then, like, still trying, I'm still trying to protect him because my love for him as a kid was so great. Um, but, man, it's hard. Like, whenever he's out to the ring and waiting for uh, Macho Man to make his entrance, like, he's just, like, breathing <laughs> out of his mouth. I'm like, God, you're blown up already. Everybody's right. <laughs> and yeah. for me, as a kid... Like, I started really watching in 93 heavy. Mm -hmm. He was gone at that point. Yeah. So, so like, I my only introduction to Warrior as a kid was, oh, I'd see the action figures and whatever tapes I'd rent. But he wasn't on my weekly TV. So, right. yeah, I was same. not a huge fan of him as a kid just because I didn't he see didn't him all that much. Him. Yeah. I knew people loved him, but... Yeah, the, the match felt very long. I loved the build-up. I, I love Mr. Perfect. I love Flair causing all that trouble between the two. I thought that right. was really cool. And whose side is he on? But like you mentioned, you had that already with Sherry. Right. But... Well, and then it's ironically um, <laughs> a similar outcome. But nobody's. It doesn't matter. It was all yeah. for nothing. I like, mean... Ugh. I was more okay with it here. I did. I, I would have liked something else. I, I don't know what the thought with Sean Rick was, if they just wanted to get Cherry away from him. Uh, but with this match, I, I thought the finish worked. Yeah. Um, I, I did. I would have liked a clear winner, but again, you've got that banger main event coming up. So cool. I, I, th I thought it worked and it, uh, Kept Warrior looking strong. I mean, we haven't said what the finish is, but but right. thoughts on the match? What do you think overall? Just long, too long. I mean, that's literally the the first thing I've got written down. It is just too long. Um, I, you know, I gotta say, I almost feel bad for uh, Randy Savage. <laughs> yeah. Um, of course, um, it's it's been widely noted that Randy was very popular for. Um, you know, drawing out every little thing in his match kind of thing. He didn't like calling it in the ring and stuff. Um, but, man, I'm sure he had a, a really hard night at the office, if you will, trying to work with Warrior. Yeah. Um, if And that's not to bury Warrior. That's just to say because he's not used to, you know, almost a half-hour match. Um, yeah. And so you talk about the best in the business trying to have to pull, um, you know, what he can from, from Warrior. Um, yeah. Because of that, I thought Randy did really well. But, yeah, overall, I think this match just gets like twice as much time as what it should have. And they wrestled a long time. Uh, Warrior had a great comeback, and it's it's it took a long time for Flair and Perfect to make an appearance. And when yes. they did, they took their sweet time walking down that aisle. 
Oh, big time. It was, <laughs> yeah. No, you're right. Um, another thing that I'm noticing too is, um, do you remember before the match starts that they they tease the handshake? Yeah. I'm like, why? <laughs> I don't. I mean, obviously, yes, they're both baby faces. You could say that, but um, if if they're kind of fighting, vying against each other, if you will, if that's a better term. Yeah. Well, I mean, you got your baby faces. You got a uh, Mr. Perfect. I'm like, I don't understand why you would try to to show a truce before the match yeah. starts. That didn't really make sense to me. I don't know. But yeah, yeah. My, my notes, same as you, it's long. Um, I thought Flair was tremendous once he got out there. Yeah. Uh, and that stood out to me, like Nate being Nate. I loved that. <laughs> um, and just, that, that made me happy just seeing him out there. And I was just wondering like, oh, should have had Flair do more on the show, but that's what I think too. Besides yeah. just the promo backstage, which was yeah. a fantastic promo. Um, yeah, but like he was awesome, and then you get into it, and your finish is uh, you give Warrior the win by DQ, but Savage is still champion, so it kind of protects both of them. That's why I was okay with this because they don't want to take the title off Randy at the time. So I was more okay with this being a non-finish, uh, but it, it annoyed me having two on the show, or uh, two or three. Um, two, I believe. Two. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, and what's funny is um, I'm kind of in the same boat. Like, I'm okay with it protecting, um, uh, you know, Warrior and, and uh, Savage. But at the same time, like man, to not have a finish for your act for the WWF Championship on yeah. on one of the big four, um, yeah. that's kind of disappointing. But again, I because of who's involved with it, I totally get it, and I think it was yeah. I think it was smart. And so, I th I think they were wanting to put more focus on the main event. So you you build up those two baby faces in the title match a little more. You put more heat on Flair and Perfect. You've got room to go there. But yeah, I mean, I would have liked to have seen something else. Yeah, for sure. But for I, sure. I, if if that main event wasn't what it was, that wouldn't have flown. But because the main event, I so obviously I love the main event, uh, so I was okay with this for this match on this yeah. show. Yeah. Um. One thing too that I didn't talk about was both men coming into the ring looked freaking amazing. Um. The uh, attire that they both had on was like over the top flashy. Which I remember, but I don't remember exactly, like, until I rewatched it. And um, actually, Anthony came in the room and was like, my God, look at all those colors. Like, no. nobody could ever wear that nowadays. I'm like, well, keep in mind, like, all the bright colors and stuff, that was totally a thing in the early 90s. Like, yeah. um, all the neon and all the bright and the, the big I patterns. I think Macho was carrying over from the 80s, too. But <laughs> uh, For sure. For sure, yeah. <laughs> but I, th I thought Macho looked awesome. Uh, Warrior with that flesh tone thing so and that's yeah um it was like the muscle yeah look well and it wasn't for me that was weird and it wasn't even just that that made it weird it was the fact that he was in a singlet i'm like why yeah. he i mean he was in trunks the whole time he was coming up with hogan and stuff and, and getting big and i get it you know you kind of have to reinvent after a while but i was like i don't know if this is the best look for you you know it was just kind of yeah. weird to me agreed um yeah so uh we get a we get a count out um which like you said means no new champ but um it's it's a creative finish i guess for what we had to work with 
Yeah, I mean, uh, it protects both of them. Yeah, so. yep, for sure. Um, Keeps the title on Macho, but gives Warrior the win. Yeah. Yep. No, I agree. Um, so, yeah. Um, again, my, my overall thought on that is it was it was a good match for what it was. It was just way too long and felt way too slow. Yeah. And the um, other thing, like, I know you want to keep those baby faces, but they kept hyping up perfect going with one of them. And I, I, going into it, I was like, that would be cool if uh, perfect did end up with Savage or, or Warrior right. uh, and, yeah. like, do a heel run with that. So I was like, well, I'm kind of intrigued what's going to happen, and then neither happened. So Yeah, and I don't understand. Uh, uh, to me, again, I, I, I know we're kind of rehashing the same stuff, but um, I just don't get why you're going to play, um, oh, you hit so-and-so, and so, oh, they must be with it, and then you hit them anyway, and it's like, well, what's the point of any of this then? It just yeah. kind of didn't really make sense, except for the fact that it was just Rick trying to insert himself into the title picture. Um, and I can't remember what the what happens at the next pay-per-view or whatever, but I don't know. Uh, well, it's 92 is the year, I believe, Flair wins the Rumble, and uh, he dropped the title to Savage, so he, he was mad he never got a rematch. So that that's why he's running around there. So gotcha, gotcha. So Flair already had the title run as the real world champ and all that. That's right. Yes. Yep. Um. Yeah. So Warrior goes over. Um. And now we've got our. Um, uh. And I hate to say this, but that's what it's booked as: is your let me at match with uh, Kamala with Harvey Whippleman and Kimchi versus the Undertaker <laughs> and Paul Bear. All so many great managers again. This is yeah, nuts. big time. Um, what's interesting is that um, I, I'd kind of forgotten that Kamala had two. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, but well, yeah. one was a handler. <laughs> True. Yes. Uh, yeah, kimchi. Um, which was funny because um, there was one spot in the match. Speaking of which, um, and again, it, it was totally lost to me as a kid, but now as an adult in the rewatch. Um, Kimchi calling calls out to Kamala and stuff. And at one point, Kamala's down on the ground or something, and Kimchi's at ringside, and you can hear Kimchi go, Come here. <laughs> and Kamala goes over and I'm like, what, what are you doing? <laughs> but uh yeah. Um so um obviously the the intro, uh, when Kamala comes to ring, very typical of of, of Kamala, it probably kind of doesn't date well. Um, but, uh, the Undertaker's entrance, however, to me was really cool. Um, coming in on a Hearst and not just like any Hearst an English Hearst, uh, was, was really awesome for me to see. Um, just kind of the whole, um, uh, macabre scene, um, imagery, if you will, uh, with the crow, uh, well, no, that wasn't the crow. The crow was mania, but, um, but yeah, the, the glass being exposed inside the Hearst where you could see a casket and stuff. It was just really cool. Yeah. For sure, great. Uh, and this match goes, uh, <laughs> and this is so. Here's the reason too why I was um, upset about some of the stuff from previous. Um, the Natural Disasters and Beverly Brothers match goes ten minutes and thirty seconds, um, yet um, Kamala and Taker gets three minutes and twenty seven seconds. I'm like, ugh. So I'm sure this is a result of bad timing. In fact. But I really, I really want to bet that uh, the WWF champion, WWF championship match, uh, Savage and, and Warrior, I'm hoping is what went long and kind of screwed them out of time. Um, it but, had uh, to. <laughs> yeah, 
because I'm like, if if you guys time this out perfectly and this is how it was meant to be, not so hot. And I'm I'm assuming that three minutes is bell to bell because they had entrances and they had some post match shenanigans too. Correct. Yeah. So uh, the match itself, I forgot how much of a serious threat Kamala once was. Yeah, 100%. That's what I thought, too. I was like, man, they booked him so strong. Yeah. Yeah. He was, he, oh, yeah. He was a big deal. And he, he was moving great. He was getting all his offense in. Uh, Taker, a young, young Taker. Yeah. Uh, barely any tattoos on his arms. He looked great. He was moving well. Uh, I enjoyed it. And then uh, Kamala just went crazy. Boom, boom, boom. More offense. And then... Him, Kimchi, Harvey are leaving, and Undertaker sits up and chases him out of there. Yeah. So, I mean, I liked it, and like you alluded to it earlier, that well, this is going to set up that casket match, and I remember that casket match as a kid, so mm-hmm. that was great fun for me. I enjoyed it, even though it was quick. Right. Um. And and part of my um my misrepresentation in my mind with the casket thing. Um, obviously, like I said, in the hearse, you could see through the windows, which is yeah. not like a normal hearse. You can see the casket. Now, I can't remember, is this before they do the, the uh, I almost said interview, whatever you want to call it, the pre-tape uh, of Taker making the casket, or is this the casket that was in the pre-tape, I wonder? So I'm assuming this is well before that. That's what I would assume. Too. Because yeah. I remember watching the Undertaker stuff and the having to build the casket for Kamala, um, and, and obviously, like the feud didn't end, so you, you don't right. the the casket's the blow off, right? But yeah, I mean, Kamala is so strong that that was the big surprise to me. Yeah, same. Um, as and I've got it playing now. As Taker's coming out, like. They're literally like holding Kamala back, so it was it was perfect booking for you know, um, and they tried it again later with Amaga basically, um, where it's um, you better hope we don't let him loose kind of thing, um, because he's a he's yeah. a force to be reckoned with. So yeah, um, and of course just you know I've always appreciated Kamala, and this is a small detail, um, but the fact that he wrestles barefoot. <laughs> I'm like, that can't be easy. You know, I mean, not that he's like running the ropes like crazy or doing any high spots or anything, which he does do a high spot in this. He comes from the second rope and does a splash, and it's like the worst splash I've ever seen. He lands on his feet and then like kind of falls over like a sack of stuff. And uh, I I thought it was pretty good (laughs) for Kamala. For Kamala, yes. Yes, I agree. (laughs) Um, But yeah, and, and the, um, the pacing of the match, like I said, yeah, the match was way too short, but Kamala's doing a good job of trying to stay on his feet. He'll, he'll get knocked down, but, like, kind of get up and, like, oh, can't believe you did that. But uh, Taker's pacing to me in this match really stands out. It's a slow and methodical, but that's this is what I love so much about Taker back then. It would be slow and methodical, but it wouldn't be, like, boring slow and methodical because then after that slow and methodical would be a big burst of power, you know, like a big um, lariat or something like that. And it's just like, man, it's so impressive. That uh, flipping clothesline he likes to do. Yeah. It, I mean, that looked the same most of his entire career, and that was absolutely crazy to me, like, how it it, did, it doesn't change. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, and I also like the fact, too, um, you know, I spoke about how, um, obviously, uh, Paul Bear is with, with Taker, but uh, 
Kamal having two. I almost wonder. Um, well, I don't wonder. It's just to me, it's a it's a perfect booking because then you've got two people trying to um, kind of uh, usurp the power, if you will, of of Taker. Mm -hmm. um, but Taker, you know, swats him away like flies anytime that he goes out to the outside. So it was it was just a great way to keep Taker strong as well. Um, but it also served the same purpose of multiple people holding back Kamala. So yep. So yeah, um, on that match, um, Taker goes over. Um, and the other thing too that I forgot. Uh, was um, before this match is when we have um, I don't have my uh, somewhere I had it written down so I whatever the name of the uh, it was like the Highlanders Club or something like that uh, with uh, they play the bagpipes Roddy Pipe uh, Roddy Piper, Piper comes out yeah and and plays bagpipes which was a cool thing but I was like this is completely random and I felt yeah. obviously they were probably just doing it because they were over in the in the UK. Yeah. Um, well, it's but, nice to get Piper anytime. A hundred percent. I will say it was that, that was that was for the crowd. <laughs> oh, for sure. For sure. That was definitely um, there. It wasn't a match, but it was like in the let me up spot um, um, coming off of the um, Savage and, and Warrior match. Um, but it was funny to me um, if I don't know if you watched it back, but um, if I remember right, uh, the the. the Scotsmen are out there playing their their bagpipes and stuff. Here comes Roddy, and he like literally just takes a bagpipe from somebody and starts playing it. Yeah, um, which yeah. was great. Um, but it was funny to me because he Roddy's wearing like a bright pink members only type jacket or something, and I'm just like, wow, you stand out like a sore thumb. <laughs> you don't blend in with with them at all. But it it was good. It was a perfect spot for Roddy. Um, so yeah, glad he got a payday, brother. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so um. We're on to more of your favorites. Um, the next match um, was uh, another dark match, which ended up, I believe, this is one that aired on Superstars. Um, so I don't know that you were able to see this on your DVDs or not. But we've got uh, Tatanka oh, no. versus Berserker uh, with Mr. Fuji. Oh, that's Yet again, tremendous. another manager. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah. Um, I don't not really on have... the DVD. What's that? Not on the DVD. No? Okay. No. Um, I I don't believe it's on the network uh, that I can recall. I can't remember. Um, <laughs> so nothing really to take away from this match except for the this match goes five minutes and forty six seconds. I would have swapped that time with Taker and Kamala. Um, and uh, yeah, um, Berserker is another guy that um they were trying to do the, give kind of the big man treatment to, if I remember, but. Uh, for whatever reason, I don't think it really worked with him. I don't know. Something about the character just didn't seem fleshed out. Like, yeah, what's what's a berserker? And why does he look like a caveman? I just don't get that. Um, I thought Tatanka, he looked like however, a viking. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, a viking. But, I mean, like, if you look at him, he looks like a caveman. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's nothing viking about him. With um, a hat. Well, okay, but uh, during the match. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, your winner for this is uh Yeah. Oh boy. <laughs> um let's see here. Going forward. Um so now we've had um several um interviews and stuff backstage too. We had one with Brett earlier and we had one mm -hmm. with um Bulldog uh before the Kamala match, I believe. Gave him um, a lot of time on the promo. Big time, yeah. Um so um started giving, strong. Yeah, yeah, the yeah, promo started yeah. strong. 
I'm, I'm, to me, it's funny. I'm glad that you say that about uh, too much time. Uh, to me, um, Diana had way too much time on the mic. And it was, very, and again, I didn't get this as a kid, uh, but in my rewatch, it was very apparent something's going on backstage and they're like, here, fill time. Uh, because like, um, I can't remember who it is. It's not Todd Pettengill, but it's somebody like that anyway. Um, is Mooney Al or Lord Alfred Hayes. Um, might have been Mooney. It's definitely not Alfred. Alfred was um, backstage doing the something else. Yeah, uh, no. So it's it, it's Sean Mooney. Um, and um, what's funny? So he he'll ask Diana, um, well, what do you hope happens in this match, or who do you hope wins? And she's you know giving these, I mean. Nell and Void, like just no. nothing there kind of answers. Like, well, I, I just hope no one gets hurt. Hope nobody gets hurt. Yeah. And I'm like, I mean, <laughs> she's doing nothing, in my opinion, in this interview to enhance the story. Now, once the match is going, I think she's brilliant. I think that's a great yeah. addition. Uh, but to put a mic in front of her, I was like, oh, bad move. Um, but what was funny about that is so he's, um, Sean Mooney um, has got the microphone and is asking questions, you know. And so all of a sudden, and you could tell he's trying to like buy time. He's trying to draw things out. And, and he's like, so who do you hope wins? And she's like, well, I hope. And okay. And here we, and I'm like, wow, that was abrupt. <laughs> There's just this abrupt change uh, yeah. before the entrances and stuff. But yeah. Um, so yeah, needless to say, I thought she was, um, I, I, I'm obviously it served a purpose to interview her. Um, and you kind of, you know, if we've interviewed um, both moving pieces with Bulldog and, and Brett, um, it makes sense to have an interview for her. I just almost wish it would have been pre-taped. Um, but yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, now we've and, got and our... They also had other family members taking sides. True, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, oh. I, I want to say Owen was with Brett and Smith or Bruce was with Bulldog. I think Bruce, I if I remember Bruce. right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, which I thought was interesting. I never, I didn't, I mean, I get to get, you know, the, the choosing sides, but first of all, it's so, it's a stacked deck to have any hearts. <laughs> like, yeah. of course they're going to side with the hearts, but the, the fact that they didn't. That was but Bulldog married a heart. So he's family too. True. And that's the story they were telling. True. Uh, so yeah. So here we are. Um, British Bulldog, uh, hometown hero, if you will, uh, versus, uh, the uh, WWF Intercontinental Champion, uh, Bret Hart. Um, hey, there you go. Nice. Little, little Bret Hart, little oh, Bulldog. Very cool. This is this is from my childhood. I was, really? Yeah, huge Bulldog, Mark. Really? Yeah, um, go, go Matilda. There you go. Well, there you go. Um, and um, shoot, here's another thing that I should have written down that I didn't. Um, we've got a... What's the Olympian's name? Do you know that's leading uh, Bulldog down to the ring? Oh, I can't remember. Was it? It was late. I started fast forwarding. I, I through yeah, the no. entrance. Yeah. yeah I, duly noted. I will take better notes from here on out. But yes. Um, <laughs> what so was it? Ken Patera or? No, it wasn't Ken Patera. Um, oh. man, I cannot remember his name, but I know I know him. Um, but anyway, so I thought that was a, a cool touch to have him. Um bring uh, bulldog down to the ring um before we get into the match though and obviously i'm going to ask this and i 100 percent understand why it was done but what are your thoughts on the main event of the show the, the last thing being not the wwf championship but being the ic title uh i think it gives the ic title credibility 
And at this point, nobody was going to follow Brett and Bulldog. Agreed. And um, I, think- I, I think you need to do the IC title in the main event once in a while. Every couple of years, it, yeah. it, it needs its place. It has its I, place. I, but- I 100% agree with that. Um, and as a child, I never understood it, but the psychology must have worked um, subliminally because I was a big fan of the IC title. Um, to me, the Intercontinental Cha- Championship was like, you know, you hear um, it's kind of thrown around loosely now, but it used to be like the working man's belt or, you know, the workhorse belt. And uh, man, by putting it on a main event, it only it only solidifies that. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, what are your thoughts? Um I don't know. So British Bulldog comes out first, then then Brett, which, of course, Brett is the title holder. And over the years, that's kind of been flopped around as far as does the champ come out first or last. Um, I will say that's probably, in my opinion, on this one, a time where Bulldog should come out second. Um, let your champ come out first um, just because he's a hometown guy. But then again, considering the finish, they're going to get their pop anyway. So maybe it doesn't matter. But uh, but yeah. Um. So before we get into the match, um, do you know any of the behind the scenes stuff that happened um, coming into this? Uh, doing the research, I saw the thing about the staff infection, but that's about it. Okay. Like where Bulldog said uh, he had a staff infection going into it. And then later Brett was like, I question his injury. Um, right. but that, that's the only drama I really heard about. What, gotcha. what else? What else happened? Well, there's a lot. So, um, Prior to this match, Bulldog is actually suspended. Um, he's not um, active, if you will, on the company. Um, wellness policy violations, essentially. And uh, so, long story short, and I, again, I should have taken better notes. Um, originally, it was supposed to be Bret Hart and um, somebody. I can't remember who now. Um, having a match here tonight at, at SummerSlam in 92. And... Um, Brett goes to Vince and says, hey, we're, if we're moving to, to London, like it only makes sense to have Bulldog there and I'll drop the title to him. And, uh, you know, I think it'll be massive money. Keep in mind, he's suspended. Um, and so, you know, Vince, long story short, agrees. Yeah, that'll be that'll be great, pal. And um, so um, Brett makes the call to, to Bulldog and says, hey, I've got you on uh, for SummerSlam at Wembley. And uh, he gets... Um, to the arena late, he ta- uh, uh, does Bulldog. Um, Brett is like, hey, what's going on? And apparently, um, according to Bret Hart's book, um, uh, during this suspension of the wellness policy, Jimmy, um, Jim the Anvil Neinhart and British Bulldog have been doing crack like nonstop through this whole era. And so supposedly he's like cracked out of his mind during this match and, and all this. And, I do. Uh, I do remember this. Um, somewhat, but I just remember Brett telling a story somewhere where uh, they do that over the top rope spot, and uh-huh. Brett has to like hook him to like save his life. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I remember that. I forgot the reasons why, but yeah, keep going. Yeah. Um, and so um, you know, Bulldog's like, hey, it's okay. I'll you know, we'll we'll make it through the match, no big deal. Again, you know what I was saying earlier with um, uh. Randy Savage trying to take care of uh, Warrior during a 28-minute match. This match goes 25 minutes and 40 seconds. Um, and, you know, I'm sure Brett felt the same pressure. Um, sober, um, Bulldog would be able to carry his weight phenomenally. Um, but, uh, yeah, 
and and looking back, it's like, man, I'm sure there was a lot of work put on Brett. Um, now, watching the match, it doesn't even knowing what I know for the behind the scenes, it doesn't seem like you know he's like out of his mind. Bulldog is out of his mind and you know not capable of being there. Um, I <laughs> I've never done crack, so I don't know what what it's like. But to me, he doesn't seem that phased. You know, it's not like he's drunk and wasted and falling down and that kind of stuff or can't remember things. Um, yeah. Overall, and, I, I mean, thought the match was. I, I was going to say, like, Brett carries the first half of the match, I'd say. Just, he does. Uh, the, like, they do the chain wrestling, go hold for hold, and Brett's... Uh, I did you notice there were a lot calls. of sleepers, but, yeah, yep. can, <laughs> a lot of sleeper holds. making a lot of calls, yep, for sure. But it was great technical wrestling. It was great technical wrestling, and it was, again, and I'm a big fan of this, it was great pacing for the uh, scale of match that it was. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, having all of the... Um, all the all the chain wrestling and stuff was was really good, um, and and plus it just really kind of solidifies uh, the story of Brett and the dungeon and all this. Um, this is kind of the beginnings of when we learn as fans when we learn about you know Stu Hart's dungeon and and all the actual heart training and stuff like that. So um, that's that's a strong memory for me as a kid is um, finding out that these two were related and uh, what they have in common uh, through Stu and that kind of thing. So yeah. Um, Overall, so and and also to the, like I said earlier, the uh, camera cutaway shots to um, Diana and the and the audience. Yeah. Like every time there's a big move and and her cells are are great. You know, it looks like she's like she could cry any minute, um, and just like she hates to see these guys have to duke it out, but she understands to a certain extent. And I think that's kind of where they fall short on the storytelling with with her is like it was just oh I hope nobody gets hurt. But it wasn't, yeah. I hope nobody gets hurt, but I understand why they have to do it. Like, yeah. Yeah. They built the story up. It, it is what it is. Yeah. She's there. Yep. Um, so, yeah. No, overall, I thought uh, this was a fantastic match. Um, I don't um, I don't know how many stars or anything it gets. I'm going to assume probably a four-star match. Um, it was it was pretty solid to me. Um, I loved it. It's one of my favorites as a kid. It's one of my favorites as an adult. Uh, yeah. I thought the story was great. I love Brett going for the figure four, turning into the sharpshooter, bulldog hit, getting the ropes. I thought that was all beautiful, beautifully done. And did you uh, notice on the sharpshooter that you were talking about though? Did you notice as he's wrapping his feet, he wraps his feet the wrong way and has to rewrap them kind of thing before he flips them over? It that happens. Yeah, hundred percent. That's yeah. I'm, and I'm glad you say that too because I'm I'm the kind of person like I don't I don't get stuck on that kind of stuff. But I I did notice yeah. it. It was just one of those things. Yeah. But yeah. But for me, the uh, uh, Brett goes for a sunset flip off an Irish whip, and Bulldog sits down, covers him, one, two, three, and I thought that was the perfect finish. Oh, it was out of Loved nowhere. It. I was like, man, yeah. yeah, that was money for sure. Crowd um, popped. It was awesome. Yeah, just the whole unexpectedness of it was yeah. uh, was perfect. Um, and I, I know like, there's been interviews where like, Davey thought he was made that night and, you know, it it was a great moment for him getting the IC, but I mean, that was the night they really made Brett a main eventer. So taking him from uh, the Hart Foundation to his stuff with the Intercom, feuding with Sean, and then dropping it to Bulldog, it was was perfectly done and you know, uh, 93 was going to be Brett's year, so. Mm Mm-hmm. For sure, it was definitely the uh, the exact turning point in Brett's career, in my opinion. Um, 
And sometimes for some people, it's not always quite so visible, but this one, it stands out yeah. big time. Like this it's is that, aha, uh -huh, moving uh -huh. up. <laughs> yep, for sure. Like, um, and I think Vince next? too, and I think Vince too, um, like I was alluding to earlier with Brett suggesting, um, su I mean, supposedly that's what's out there that Brett yeah. suggested having uh, Davey in this match. Um, that only shows Vince that, yeah, he's capable, not just in the ring, but, um, you know, he's got the mind for the big picture kind of stuff, like what's going to draw us the most money and that kind of thing. Um, and, you, and he you, was reliable for him. You put that on top and you sell 80,000 tickets. Yeah. That's that's a good sign. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So um, let's see here. We've got, uh, of course, the winner is British Bulldog. Um, so we've got our new champ. Um, and uh, what are your, so I've got, um, let's see here. There's your, yeah, your winning shot. It. Um, that I mean, just the the unity and stuff. I, I really enjoyed that uh, storytelling post match, um, yeah. and then of course the big moment was uh, the big hug. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was to me really really cool. Good stuff, man. So um, iconic, like very, and that's a, that's exactly a perfect way to put it. It's very iconic. Um, Twenty eight years later, it's still one of my favorite matches. It's super easy to go back and watch too. Um, it doesn't. Yeah. Um, there's not. I mean, yes, there's a lot, like you said, too, um, there's a lot of holds and, and, and chain wrestling and stuff in the beginning, but it paces well for some reason in this match. Whereas a lot of times when I watch stuff from the early 90s or especially the 80s, I'm like, golly, if I see another sleeper hold, I'm going to scream at my TV. Um, but this one felt like it had it with purpose. Um, I mean, obviously, we know he's calling spots and stuff. Um, Red is to Bulldog. But um, it, it just, it was so it was so right. Everything about this match was so I right. Mean, that that's my favorite match on the show, hands down. Oh uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I I would say my second would probably be um. Man, see, I'm such a mark for uh, Taker. I really want to say that, but honestly, the Legion of Doom and Money Inc. match was really good too. Yeah, um, same. So but, I would say one of those two for my second place. Uh, LOD for me, the, just that yeah. hot opener with the motorcycles and everything yeah. was awesome. For sure. And Rocco. <laughs> Good old Rocco, yes, indeed. Uh, yeah. So, whoops, go away. Um, yeah. Um, so overall, um, I thought the pay per view was was really good. Um, I will still stick with the fact that I felt like some of the matches went too long, and some of the match ups uh, were just kind of thrown together um, nonsensically. Um, but overall, I mean, everybody seemed to make the best of what they could, um, and and. Again, to reiterate too what you said, I feel like there should have been more payoffs uh, than what we had with some of the fantastic buildups to the match. Sean um, and Rick, specifically Sean and Rick, hundred yeah. percent. Yeah, that every 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 piece of that puzzle was putting in so much. Um, it, it just you know the booking end of that really kind of sucked. Um, I wish they would have changed something in the booking, seeing how well that was working with all three people. Um, and yeah. honestly, props to to Rick Martel for stepping up and not getting lost in the shuffle. Um, yeah. cause you know, he held his ground in, in the, in the story of that. So, so yeah, um, I'm trying to see, I don't have my, my main notes, but we've got another show coming up soon. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what next, is, next week. You your, yeah. What do you, what do you have on the, on the agenda for next week? <laughs> uh, that's in my uh -huh. own notebook. Got it. There you go. Got it. Found <laughs> it. Um, 
so oh man i'm so looking forward to next week okay um so according to what we have kind of uh sketched out for a, a schedule if you will um next week on our third episode we are doing um our top 10 debuts oh um, this is gonna be a blast yeah oh man i'm so looking forward to this oh um that way I, that way that way is that kind that of way. Hmm. that guy <laughs> i gotta say i'm shocked um so do uh, let's let's kind of put some ground rules on this do you want to keep this wwe do you want to open it up to debuts of anything of anybody um i will say i do definitely want to differentiate debuts from comebacks so like hunter coming Ooh. back at the garden i'm not counting that okay so first time with a company debut yes can yeah. be any company but it's got to be first time correct this just got interesting yeah because I I, I I i agree and i think there might be um potential to do a um comeback episode or a return episode yeah um, for sure yeah i'm yeah, looking so forward I, to it oh man me too <laughs> um so debuts to me kind of a lot of at least most most of the time and especially in wwe or wwf um Debuts are associated to me a lot with entrances, and I, I put a lot of value in entrances for for wrestlers, um, and uh, yeah, they've they've kind of really uh, taken the cake on debuts. Um, has WWE or WWF? Uh, there's been other ones that have been really fantastic in other companies that we'll talk about for sure. But uh, yeah, are are you referring to a shocking one? <laughs> Quite possibly. Uh, but yes, it, it does go to show that WWE kind of cinched the market on on how to debut somebody and give yeah. them a lot of uh, bang for their buck. So, so yeah, right. so I'll have a top ten. Good. You'll have a top ten, yeah. and uh, we'll kind of compare notes. Yeah, this week was SummerSlam '92. Next week, top ten debuts for sure. Um, and on on the uh, SummerSlam thing, um, I know we talked about this previously, and I don't remember if you mentioned it at the top of the show, but um, this is the first pay per view that you watched. Is that correct? Uh, it was the one we rented a bunch. Uh, Mania 93 would have been my first pay-per-view. So, gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Very but cool. Yeah. This was, this was one of my uh, earliest exposures to pro wrestling. Awesome. No, that's great. Um, yeah. I, I, you know, like I said, I thoroughly enjoyed the show. I was glad to be able to rewatch it. And, uh, yeah, looking forward to a lot more good stuff. Yeah. Um, it's it's one of those things too. Um, I would like to talk about like how I would rebook things and make them better and stuff, and we kind of did to a certain extent. Um, but um, until I was older and really got to sink my teeth into like the longevity of the storylines and the nuances of them, that's really whenever I'm able to sink my teeth into. Here's how they could have done this, and they could have twisted this a little better and done this. Um, mm -hmm. Back then, it was just like, oh, they gave so and so too much time, or they didn't do a finish for this, or um, it just wasn't a fleshed out idea. So. Um, as, as regards to, you know, the actual review of, um, our namesake, if you will, um, I would like to, to be able to, in the future, critique things more from a creative standpoint. Um, but, uh, yeah, overall, I thought it was, I thought it was good. I thought it was a good watch. So awesome. All right. And, uh, yeah, I think that's going to do it for our show today. Um, thank you very much for sticking around and checking out recliner wrestling review, and we will see you on the next go round. All right. See ya.